This is episode 266 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled, Having a Ball with Hullabaloo. And stay tuned after the show so you can hear Ants in My Pants. Hello everyone, welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden. Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts is brought to you by Discreet Guide, the training company for improving your speaking and writing skills. Thank you for joining us and tune in on Mondays for new episodes. I'm so delighted to welcome a new guest to the show today. Steve Denyus is with us, and he is of hullabaloo fame, which I had the great fortune of learning about when I had little kids. And Hullabaloo is this really wonderful band local to Southern California who performs a lot for kids. So they do a lot of uh, children's music. So welcome to the show, Steve. Well, thank you very much for having me, and it's uh, great to get reacquainted again. Now that my kids are, yeah, ex, uh, ex <laughs> feet grown. tall. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about Hullabaloo here for a second uh, to introduce you and the band. Hullabaloo is celebrating their 20th year anniversary this year, in part with a, an album, their 15th, which will be released on February 23rd, and it's called live from Sun Studio. I should mention this band is super fun. It's been described as performing their own brand of foot stomping, wing flapping, free range, organic kid folk, which is actually a really good description, I think, for Thank the you. kind of music that you do. Thank you. So the band is comprised of uh, Steve Dennis, as we said, and Sean Rolfe and Brendan Kremer. That's right. A little bit more information about Hullabaloo. They've performed more than 4,000 shows at venues ranging from local libraries, museums, and birthday parties to fancy concert stages like Austin City Limits, Philadelphia's World Cafe Live. I didn't know you'd been on there. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun. Oh, bet. Yeah, that's really a great show. Hard Rock Cafe and, of course, Legoland, of course. <laughs> yes. Can't leave out Legoland. Can't leave out Legoland if you're in Southern California. They've won numerous awards, uh, well-deserved, uh, including Parents' Choice, NAPPA, and Children's Music Web. Parents' Choice said they raised their own foot-stomping ruckus with humor, infectious energy, and appealing blend of country, folk, funk, and rock rhythms. And this one I loved from San Diego Union Tribune. Steve Denyus is the biggest rock star in San Diego. Just ask any preschooler. Right. In, <laughs> in very small circles, that might be true. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's accurate. Exactly. Uh, so Steve, I'll introduce him separately here. He plays guitar, sings, and always tries to remember to say thank you and please, uh, which is an inside reference to one of their songs. <laughs> Uh, before forming Hullabaloo, he was a K-6 through music teacher in the public school system for eight years. And when he's not singing and stomping his feet, he surfs a lot and spends time with his wife and their dog, Lucy. Uh, so first, congratulations on the new album at Sun Studio. Yeah, thank you. That was so much fun to do. 
a few years before the pandemic, my wife and I were in Memphis being tourists. And of course, we took the Sun Studio tour. And at the end of it, they casually mentioned, that, oh, yeah, we still have bands that record here at night. And immediately, uh, my <laughs> right? I put that on my bucket list. I'm like, yes, please. I'd love to do that. Right. And, um, then, of course, the pandemic hit and we weren't recording or doing anything. But as soon as that led up and we were looking at how to celebrate 20 years, I was... Mm-hmm. First thing on my list was to get back to Sun Studio and do some recording there. Yeah, I didn't realize that they still did recording there at all. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, if, if I'm honest, and I don't think they'd mind me saying it, I think they they are a museum first and a studio second. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time they didn't have bands in there. And some people that just really care about the history and the legacy took the time and, frankly, the money to refurbish it with all vintage gear from that era and the microphones and the you know preamplifiers and mixers and so on and um, and they're bringing it back and you know it was mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie it was a little rough around the edges I've been to way fancier studios okay know, but, but none as significant as this so it was uh, overall a really fantastic experience yeah and really appropriate for your music too you know with the history of Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it, it kind of goes with your music, so it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, we've been compared to Johnny Cash and Elvis and Carl Perkins and a lot of those folks that, that pioneered that place. So it was, it felt right to be there for sure. Yeah, well, that's really cool. And I uh, got to listen to the album yesterday, and it's great, like all oh, your you. albums. Yeah, so, but tell me what else is new. I don't remember you ever doing a live album before, first of all. No, um, you know, in fact, that was uh, my my bandmates, Sean and uh, Brendan, had been on me for years to do a live album. And I will freely admit that I'm not a big fan of most live albums. I just, I'd like to either see a band live or I'd like to hear how they want to bring their music to life in a studio setting. And so I was I was hesitant. And the thing that finally convinced me is, is Sean and Brendan saying, look, we've got a lot of these songs on record going back full 20 years. Mm. And we play them so much differently now, you know, like the, how we do them live is very different from how they were recorded. A lot of times it's, you know, we play them much faster. We play them slower. We have found new rhythmic breaks that are super fun. And and so part of it was for posterity just to sort of document what we sound like now, all these years later. So that was, that was the thing that tipped the scales for me. And the idea of just standing in a room recording, like a lot of my heroes did at Sun Studio was (laughs) also tipped the scales. Yeah, there are some uh, old favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of those, I think all of those songs we've recorded somewhere before. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was also to represent what a typical live show is like now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those, those are all songs that we do on a regular basis now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas some of the other ones going back, you know, 15, 20 years, they've, they've fallen out of the live set just for, for a variety of reasons. Sure, yeah. No, it makes sense. So, yeah. Things change, as is is one of of your songs. One of my favorite songs, actually. Oh, thank you. Anything else new about the album or anything else you'd like to say about the album? No, it was just just a fun time to to, to capture a moment in time, what we sound like now. Our trip to Memphis was, it was a heavy time. We were in Memphis, the... uh, uh, the week that they released the videotape of Tyree Nichols, um, who was oh. a young African-American man that was killed at the hands of uh, was policemen and firemen, I believe. 
And um, anyway, it was a very tense time to be in Memphis. And oh. there were protests at night and the, the, the city had a real tension to it. And one of the things that we want to do going to Memphis and, and in particular recording at South Studio is not just not just go there and say, oh, isn't this great? This is where Elvis recorded and isn't that wonderful? You know, we wanted to just for our, for our own selves, just digest what was really happening back in those days, you know, particularly with race relations and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that we think about now, the cultural appropriation of African-American music and all that kind of stuff. And, and it, uh, it was particularly poignant that weekend with racial issues coming to the fore there and, uh, and, and going to uh, the, the Lorraine hotel, uh, which is in Memphis where Dr. King was shot um, the civil rights museum. I, I don't know any human that could walk through that museum and not just be forever moved by, by what they present there. So in addition to it being a big celebration yeah. and like, isn't this great? This is, this is where all my heroes recorded. It was, it was a good personal education and, uh, you know, a reconciliation of, of all the tension that was happening, you know, when those, when those heroes of mine were recording and what was going on there and sadly that it hasn't changed enough yet that's what i was just gonna say right that that history is still with us yes right yes, very much so. yeah history continues yeah. and some of the things we wish we had left behind are still Here there are. yeah yeah what well, it's kind of ironic actually right that you were there at that time yeah yeah, yeah filled you know, with nostalgia and then yeah, yeah well oh right this yeah, yeah this is the dark side of it too. yeah and, you know and we really we wanted to just for ourselves whether we convey that publicly or not just kind of have some try and reconcile what was happening i mean how do how do you on the one hand celebrate uh, you know, some of these artists who were <laughs> more than borrowing liberally from mm-hmm. a culture that wasn't necessarily their own. Of course, they were adding to it, changing it and all that. And, um, it's complex. And it yeah. was part of part of our goal just to go in there and just to try and digest all that. I think I'm still digesting it. <laughs> it's, right. it's, 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 it's not easy. It's, um, you know, you look at uh, what Elvis and, and um, Sam Phillips were doing. And, and I think in their hearts, they were absolutely trying to better race relations you mm. know like if, if if they can be believed um mm-hmm. you know the the accounts that you hear and, and sam phillips who you know was at the center of all that you know i think he i think he genuinely believed that by bringing the music of these different cultures that it would bring people together that's how he presents it and i'm i'm not going to doubt his his word on that you know i think in today in our time, we would certainly do it differently. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, credit would be given and uh, you know, things like that. And but, maybe money and, would be paid. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Significant <laughs> help, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent here, but that, that was one thing about uh, the Memphis experience that was uh, super profound and important for us. I don't know that that certainly doesn't translate to a kid listening to the album, um, but it, you know, for us, for our own growth, it was, it was a mm-hmm. big part of the process. Yeah, well, quite interesting, right? Yeah, I have yeah. an experience sort of outside the studio, but because yeah. of the location yeah. of the yeah. studio. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, since we're sort of near this, I want to ask some questions about this. Yeah. Uh, you do do some covers, and I want to talk about those in particular. But yeah. most of your songs are original songs. Right. So tell me about your songwriting process and how experiences that you have inform or don't inform uh, songs that you write? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I came to Hullabaloo thinking of myself as a songwriter. Like, I, you know, did other albums and did other things in the grown-up music world. That was super important to me coming into the into the genre that the that the songs be good. That's where my interest lies, and I think if I have any skill in this, it's it's that it's writing songs. And, um, so that was always important to me. And then it was definitely a mental transition to get inside the mindset of kids and what they will find funny and what they will find interesting. I think anyone who dives into this genre finds out pretty quick that you can entertain kids on a very surface level very easily. Like you can be silly, you know, you can throw some potty humor in there. You can, you know, like it's not terribly difficult to make a kid laugh okay, or get silly. I mean, that, that getting silly is not difficult. Um, to me, the challenge always was, and whether I hit, hit the mark or not, I don't know, but the challenge was always to have, have the fun, have the silliness, have the, the intrigue for kids, but also have a, have a layer that maybe even grownups can relate to, or, um, you know, that I'm not one for overt messages in songs. I prefer a less direct approach. I think you got to give kids the credit to extrapolate your message as opposed to saying, always be nice, always share, always this, always that, you know, like, and so for me, I think that was always the fun challenge is, is the subtext, you know, after the silliness, the layer of silliness is there. And then the subtext that maybe grownups could enjoy uh, or get a laugh out of. And the idea that, that there's, there are messages to the songs, but they're not uh, at the forefront. They're, they're there to be absorbed. So that's, that's always, always been my approach, again, whether I hit the mark or not. I don't know. And then some songs are just about bunny rabbits. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, those are really good talking well. about. Yeah. Run. R- yeah. yeah. Run bunny run. Yes. Run bunny run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I guess, you know, when I uh, first became aware of you, I'm very interested in music and have always liked children's music as well. Mm-hmm. Not children singing. That's, right. yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, whole yeah. other problem <laughs> yeah. for me, yes. but yeah, yes. but children's music I've always yeah. enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. partly because I think it's really, I mean, kids, uh, even babies often really yeah. enjoy music, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's fun. But at the era uh, when I had little kids, a lot of children's music was was ghastly. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was just, I mean, I could yeah. barely tolerate yeah, listening absolutely. to it. As soon as we found you, we immediately, really immediately realized this is different and this is great. Oh, thank you. I mean, some of it is, of course, that there are funny things for the, mm-hmm. for the audience, right? And right. Um, for the adults in the right. audience. But also, I guess the word that I would think of is, that you were respectful of children. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I mean, that I think that's that's high on my list is respecting kids and their intelligence. And I'll see even today performers, and they'll come out and talk to the kids in a super sing song sort of voice, and you know, in talking baby talk to kids. I'm like, yeah. You know, I mean, everybody can do what they want, but like for me, like. I want to go up there and and be real mm-hmm. and also be able to make a connection without, I mean, I, of course I changed my language. I changed what I talk about and how I say things and stuff like that. But the thing that you're talking about of, I don't know, it, 
I don't think it shows a lot of respect to kids to to go down to that level. I think they are more than capable and of hearing an adult talk like an adult, but in a way that's appropriate to them. So that's always kind of been been a thing. I mean, and, and along these same lines, the the idea that whenever kids are listening to music, grownups are also listening to music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the things that you, you say, I mean, like, like when, when we went into this whole hullabaloo thing and we kind of halfway stumbled into it, we're like, oh, we don't want to do that. That's, you know, like, oh, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it strange because, yeah. you know, at the time there was a lot of singing dinosaurs and hamsters and, you know, squeaky voices and, you know, really atrocious things that, that no grown up wants to listen to that, you know? And um, one of the big things for me is kind of before I started Hollow Blue, I, I stumbled on an album by Dan Zanes. Yes. Like I, I bought an album. This is back when, you know, they had CDs and listening stations. I bought an album of his. I was, I didn't have kids. I mean, I was teaching elementary school music, but I wasn't going to use it in the classroom. I just bought it because it was great music. Mm-hmm. And I always had that in the back of my head, even though there is all this really lousy music out there that, that no one put a lot of care or thought into. Yeah. There were also people like Dan that were making incredible music and it respected kids and it respected the grownups that were also in the room. Mm-hmm. And that was forever the model from the start is like, if we're going to do this, <laughs> you know, we have to like it, you know, yeah. first and foremost, and the kids have to like it. And then the grownups that are there in the room with them have to like it. So that's, that's kind of been the guiding light through all of it. Yeah, that that's an interesting uh, reference. Well, and I was thinking, especially, I mean, it's one thing to write a fantastic song for grownups and have to sing it 400 billion times. Mm, yeah. But can you imagine writing one of those really dreadful children's I mean, people, yeah. <laughs> people yeah. become, yeah, if they have <laughs> to know. sing that song, you know, yeah. <laughs> over and over and over. Yeah. Again. You know, it's a funny thing. Like, I immediately I think of the, the Baby Shark song. And I don't know that there's even an artist behind that that goes out and, and performs that song, but like just the thought of that. <gasps> Oh gosh, that would that would be torture for me. But but I will say that um, I've got a ton of musician friends that have you know never played for kids in their lives, and and they see some of the songs that I do. In addition to our original songs, you know, we'll do Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, we'll do Old MacDonald Had a Farm, because the kids can relate to it, and and that's that's part of performing live is making sure that the audience is there with you, and and those are some of the the ways that we can make that happen, and and they're good songs. So, mm. but but my musician friends will be like. Oh, how can you go out and sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star for the 4,000th time? And wh- you know, they cringe at the idea. It's not musically complex. It's it's not a song that you sing to yourself as you're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, there is that aspect of, I almost don't, I don't care what the song is that I'm singing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, after 4,000 shows, none of these songs are a musical challenge to me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, I have to make sure I sing properly and my guitar's in tune and stuff like that. But it, that's not the, it's not the challenge or the joy of playing something complex. It's the, it's the bringing that experience to the audience that is the most important and also the most fun thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have a problem seeing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or the ABCs or Old MacDonald if the audience is singing along and there are smiles on people's faces, that's, that's all I care about. So mm-hmm. there is a balance there. Uh, you know, um, there's so, <laughs> there a couple of songs I've written that I go, Oh, really? Do I have to play that one? <laughs> okay. Yes, I <laughs> think we'll enjoy it. And once I start, 
my own feelings about the song instantly go away if people are are into it and excited about it. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, although I have this idea, oh, that must be such a drag to play that song over and over. When you started talking about, you know, the sense of community and the audience being into it, I was thinking, well, we sing Christmas carols yeah. over and yeah. over and over yeah. and no one ever complains about oh god you know <laughs> yeah yeah jingle bells again right but yeah, yeah. it's the experience of it right? yeah very much so and um yeah i mean like i don't have anywhere near that kind of fame or legacy of some of these rock stars you know the the dylans and the stones and you know like like folks like that that have to go out and sing their hit and a lot of my nephew just asked me if he should go see a bob dylan concert and and I, I had a hard time replying because he's either brilliant or he's not, depending on the night. And oh. uh, when I saw him, I was so disappointed because he was singing his hits, but he was singing them in the most lazy, altered way. You know, and it was clear that he was bored with them. And, yeah. you know, and so there is that, that like, that's not the artist I am. But for me, I, I came to grips a long, a long time ago with who I am as a musician and, and what service I provide. And hmm. I'm not an artist that has to consider himself when I'm on stage. And it's, uh -huh. I'm there to entertain people. And that's my job. My job isn't to impress myself with a new chord change or, you know, sing a song because I want to sing it. Hmm. it I, I'm there to entertain. I want I want everyone to leave there thinking that was that was exactly what I wanted to hear, not mm -hmm. you know some obscure folk song rolling around in Steve's head. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I was thinking that is the difference between between being a rock star for the preschoolers yeah. and a rock star for adults, right? And yeah. I, I yeah. guess I would instantly pick rock star for preschoolers. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I mean, like like. It's this isn't a, a road that I ever intended to go down. Certainly, when I picked up the guitar or other instruments when I was a kid, I didn't. You know, this wasn't what I envisioned. But, but man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, mm -hmm. the life that I've been able to live and the, and the fun that I've been able to have making music with people is. I wouldn't want the careers of some of my grown-up music friends, or or even you know the ones that are at the at the top of the charts. Mm -hmm. It's not a life that I want. So this is this has been a good match. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely your calling somehow. Yes. Yeah. This, yeah. Somehow this happened. Yeah. I want to just uh, talk for a second to go back to this idea of writing songs for children, because that's something that you, I think, do really well. And I was reminded of that with when in your bio, when you say remembering to see, to say thank you and please, because right. a lot of kids' songs are message songs yeah, yeah. and fairly condescending to children. Yeah. And of course, yeah. in my experience, children are extremely uh, sensitive to when they're being uh, yeah, condescended yeah. to and being yeah, given yeah. a message that they know is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm with you there. Um, but you've, but I think you've done a great job with helping to children understand that the behaviors that were hoping for, like saying thank you and please, right. those apply to adults also, and that right. it's also hard for us sometimes to remember those things. Yeah. And so you yeah. have, you know, you're really honest, I think, with the kids in presenting yourself, definitely as an adult and a grown-up, but that you 
that you have a lot of the same feelings or same concerns that children do. Yeah, yeah. I think um, strictly from a from a writing perspective, I mean the the biggest and best advice I ever got, and I think for all writers, is that you want to show rather than tell. Ah. And if you can demonstrate an emotion, a lesson by taking somebody on a journey, I think that that lesson sticks with them. Mm-hmm. If you say overtly, we should all be nice, everyone should be friends, we should, all, you know, okay, that's great. But I didn't feel that when mm. you said that. I, like you said, you, you feel, you feel preached to or, or <laughs> scolded or any of that. And I think if you can, anybody, grownups, kids, anybody, if you can take them on a journey and show what your message is, show the effects of kindness or the show the effects of like, gosh, I realize I'm not perfect too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they feel that and internalize that. At least that's my hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And if nothing else, I feel like it's better writing, but that's, that's right. But I think that's, I think that's important with kids. I mean, like part of being a teacher and then for the last 20 years being around kids, uh, you know, young kids for all this time is you, if you take a minute to just to try and empathize with them and what they're going through, they're learning at an incredible rate and they're taking everything in and they want to test all the boundaries, right? You know, of what happens if I jump off <laughs> that mm-hmm. ledge or what happens if I run super fast with this in my hand, they're, they're they're testing the batteries constantly. And, and as the grownups in the room, we're constantly, Oh, don't do that. Don't do this, do this. Oh, don't take that from that person. That's that, you know, you have to share. And, and th- there's so much, uh, direction, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you just, like, if you just think about how much they get, I mean, you couldn't help but feel bossed around. Mm. And, and sh- kind of shut down, right? Yeah, yeah. Of it is like, so. yeah, be yeah. smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And and I and I do think there are a lot of parents these days, and a lot of parenting theories and stuff that that is more child centered, and and mm-hmm. yeah, I think those are all all good things. But even still, if, no matter how child centered you are, if your kid's running down the hall with scissors, you're going to say something. I mean, just like there are boundaries, no matter what. But anyway, for for, for the writing thing, I always wanted it to. Always wanted the ness- lessons to come naturally, mm-hmm. and and part of that too is is kind of like you say, I, I I try and show myself as fallible. I try and show parents as fallible as well in direct and indirect ways. I mean, sometimes it's 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 humor based around a parent being imperfect, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we've got a song called "Dinosaur in My Backyard." Uh-huh. It's about a kid. That, you know, the narrator is a kid that is convinced that there's a dinosaur living. in in his backyard or her backyard, the narrator is presenting evidence of, you know, uh, these are dinosaur scales, and 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 the the mom is saying no, those are garbage can lids, and and the the kid's response in the song is, well, sometimes even moms make mistakes, so exactly, you know, and and so it the, the humor is a little bit at the expense of the mom. Like, gosh, my mom doesn't realize there's a dinosaur here. This yeah, is right. Don't worry. <laughs> As grown-ups, we go, okay, there's not a dinosaur. That's where the humor lies. But I don't uh, know. We don't. You know, and so even, yeah, <laughs> and just even saying that you know sometimes even mom makes moms make mistakes. I think is important. I mean that's probably about as directly as I ever say any mm-hmm. message. So mm-hmm. you know, that's just, true. Mm-hmm. Just to let that open that possibility that that parents are people too, and you know these grownups are people too. That there's another song that we did uh, called "Use Your Words," and it's yes. mm-hmm. a, about a kid 
acting out and getting into a little bit of trouble and, and, and sort of having a tantrum. And, and the chorus is, is the mom saying, use your words, use your words. And uh, finally, in the, in the last verse, the kid does something so exasperating that the, that the mom is having a tantrum. And then the kid says, use your words, mom. Mm -hmm. The hope is that, that that presents some humanness, right? That, yeah. that parents, parents know the right things to do, and sometimes they make mistakes too. Sometimes they lose their temper or lose their cool, and it's we can all improve and learn and grow. So that's that's the hope, you know? Oh, and it yeah, it definitely works, especially that one. I mean, for me, I have to say, when that verse came around about, yeah, mom, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I mean, in a way, it's a relief. Right, yeah. because I mean, we've all had those experiences yeah, yeah, where yeah. we where we mess up in front of our kid, right. right? But it but it's funny, right? And it sort right. of puts us all together. It's like, yeah, kids, parents, yeah, you know, life, life is imperfect and it can be hard, and sometimes we all do something mm -hmm. we wish we hadn't done. And yeah, so there's something collective, I think, about that that you're able to achieve in your songwriting that puts us all together. Yeah, that's the hope. Like I said, there's there's that, and then sometimes there's just there's rabbits. <laughs> yeah, rabbits, you know? or, so, I mean, yeah, there's so it? many great songs. You know, the four hundred cupcakes. I mean, they're oh, just right. so <laughs> they're just so many great songs. Yeah, they they're just really really great. So you're on tour now. Yeah, I'm on the best possible kind of tour because I get to sleep in my own bed at night. Which oh, is, okay, so uh, it's all local. Okay, it's all local. Yeah, somewhere about halfway through the whole blue thing, I realized that. I could fill my schedule in Southern California mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have to tour. And that's kind of the opposite of most grown-up musicians. Like you, you can't play, if you're a grown-up musician, you can't play in your hometown 350 days a year. People won't, <laughs> you know, your audience isn't going to come out that often. With kids and parents, as you know, I mean, parents are always looking for something fun to do with their kids and is that kids don't mind repetition. So, mm-hmm. They can come see. I might sing the exact same songs two days in a row, and they're just thrilled because they know what's <laughs> they know those songs. But yeah, I'm I'm doing twenty shows in twenty days uh, to celebrate our twenty years. So the 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 theme is there with twenty and twenty and twenty, and all the all the shows this month are benefit concerts for Feeding San Diego. Oh, which is a an organization associated with Feeding America, and what they do is they uh, they rescue food from the food supply chain. The, you know, they work with farmers, restaurants, grocery stores, and they get food before it, it spoils and while it's still healthy and good and they get it to people that need it. So we're, as of the recording of this, we're 15, 16 days into the 20 days and um, we've raised somewhere over $5,000 for Feeding uh, San Diego, which is, which is great. And the, the thing that I love the most is um, well, all the Feeding America organizations in the different cities, they're, uh, they're really good and efficient with donations. So for every dollar they receive, they're able to provide two meals, um, uh -huh. which seems impossible in this day and age. Right, yeah, I'm impressed. how they yeah. do it, they're super efficient. So they're getting they're getting the food for free from farms and restaurants and stuff like that, and uh, the, the costs are mostly administrative and on the distribution. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm super, super excited to do that. The community of San Diego in general has supported me for for 20 years and this is just a, a at least something i can do to kind of give back uh but it's true that you know the community of san diego has literally put food on my table for for 20 years and small thing to to try and get back so that's that's been super fun yeah that's cool yeah. 
You know, I'm just processing what you said about kids are willing to come see you day after day because yeah, parents are yeah. too, right? I mean, to, I mean, some of it is the songwriting is really good, right? So right. the so you can hear the song multiple times. The funny parts get funnier. Um, the parts that you didn't get the first time, you get the second time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot. I mean, good songwriting, you know, is that way. Yeah, hopefully, but, yeah. but yeah, it is funny, isn't it? Like, if you go see a band and then they come back, you might say, well, I already saw them. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's no funny. how much you like but, them, right? Right, right. But with Hullabaloo, it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. so funny. I, I can't even put my finger on why that is. I do yeah. think part of it is kids like repetition. And, kids like repetition. Yeah. And um, I think one of the things, one of the things for the, for the parents, too, is I, I realized, it took me a few years to realize it, that I thought we were all just doing this for the kids. But I realized that, there became a community of grown-ups around Hello Blue shows. Yeah, and, that's true too. Um, particularly when I would have a regular show once a month or once a week or whatever it was, I would see the same people and realize that they're making friends there. And right. I think um, particularly for stay-at-home parents or, or caregivers, getting out into the world and being able to at least sit next to another adult, even if you don't have time to, to talk about anything other than the kids, or, or maybe that's all you want to talk about. That mm. might be <laughs> everything that's on your mind and on your heart at, the, at that moment. And um, being around other people doing the same thing, I think, is helpful. So I think in addition to the kids being totally okay with seeing the same show all the time, um, I think there was some there were good things happening for, for parents. Being able to just, just be like, oh, gosh, hey, I saw you at the last one, you know. And, sure. And, and like that. So I think that's a part of it too. I think that that helps with being able to do it a lot and you know play a lot. Probably the most common comment that that I get with respect to that is is parents will be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, almost apologetic, like, "Oh, this is the third time this week that we've come to see you. We're groupies," and and I'm you know and they're like embarrassed about it or or almost apologetic about it. I'm like, "Oh my gosh." No artist ever in the history of the world will be sad that you came to every show they did that week. It's the it's the nicest thing anyone could possibly do. I toiled in obscurity for the longest time. Like this is this is the huge gift you're giving me. Do, do not apologize for for coming out. That's that's everything to me. So it's uh, it is an interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah, it is. I, but what you're pointing out, I hadn't thought about. But that's true. And there's a lot of sense of community because of that, because you yeah. do see the same people or people or other parents from your kids' same school. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Because if you go to a big show, you know, you're not. It's it's not. It doesn't feel like community, right? Right. Yeah. I, mean, you, I guess some of them may be Grateful Dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> you're the, you're the Grateful Dead of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> but yeah. The, there's a woman that I've become friends with and she was um, one of the early Hullabaloo moms that would, would come and, and she would come to a lot of shows and we became good friends and would chat and we're still friends on social media and, and things. And her, her kids grew, you know, kind of aged out and she didn't come to shows anymore, but she, she sent me a message years after the fact and just saying that was such a difficult time for me. She was having marital issues and, and, and a couple other things in her life that, that she was really struggling with. But like the, the one thing that was always there was me out there singing 
and she knew she could go and she knew what to expect and she knew some of the people that she would see and she I think it can't be discounted that in the best when it's all working right that can be a powerful part of it of the community that, that develops around it and you know I think there's a lot of isolation in parenting a lot of time mm. well it was quite fun yeah my husband yesterday came down he was like you're playing hullabaloo because <laughs> it's such great you know it's such great yeah. memories for yeah. us oh, right yeah yeah fun I want to talk a little bit about the humor in your songs yeah, yeah. and again yesterday since I was playing them all back to back uh, yeah. There's just some really funny lines, you know, never give your dog a diamond ring. Right, um, yeah. And then too much mango will make a man go mad. <laughs> that was such a great one. Um, and then, you know, the ones that have that other uh, side to them, uh, that pig has become quite a ham. Right, right, right yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about that. So you were a teacher for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, where did you figure out, like, what what will kids find funny? That's a good question. I think in the teaching, and I, I'm laughing because it, it probably is more of a reflection of where my brain is naturally. You know, like I'm I'm prone to to puns and silly humor and wordplay. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, a lot wordplay. Word play. Is, mm -hmm. You know, especially in my early songwriting, like before I developed any depth behind that, like mm. I would rely on just wordplay and kind of double meanings of words and stuff like that. And so I think that's where my brain is naturally. And I, and I think that was one of the serendipitous parts of me stumbling into this genre is like, oh, I can put that silly humor to use. Mm -hmm. I'm already making bad jokes. I can turn them into songs and, <laughs> and, and do that. But I, but more direct answer to your question, I think the teaching really did did play a big part of it. And um, the whole Hello Blue thing started when I started making music for uh, my, my nieces and nephew. And okay. so those early days, I was around them quite a bit and just interacting with them and seeing, seeing what's, who, what they enjoyed and what they thought was funny or ridiculous. And, and I think that, um, that kind of goes back to our other conversations is it's not super hard to make a kid laugh. I mean, mm -hmm. right. You can be goofy. You can be ridiculous. You can be self-effacing. Like there's, there's many ways to make a kid laugh, but the, the trick is, can there be something other than that? Mm -hmm. Where a kid can go. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I was. I also think. I think of Pixar movies, and I think of Simpsons, mm -hmm. and that kind of genre of animation where the kids might be laughing at a very surface level and go, "Oh, isn't that funny that Bart Simpson fell over?" Mm -hmm. But the parents are laughing at at some other deeper joke that's happening. And to me, that's. That's what I was always striving for is like, I'm pretty confident I can make kids laugh and giggle and whatever. Uh, you know, the, even the line that um, that you mentioned about uh, the pig becoming quite a ham, like most little kids aren't going to get that joke. I mean, that's yeah. that's almost entirely for grownups. I mean, that's not a very good joke. But, but you, the point being is like the kids are laughing at, oh, my gosh, a pig is singing and he's a rock star. And then I make the corny joke that the pig has become quite a ham. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know at what age you're going to get that joke, but it's probably not two years old, you know? No, but maybe fifth grade. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so <clears throat> hopefully there are layers to the humor. Mm -hmm. Or it's just really inventive. I was thinking also you do hit those spots where we meet in the middle, like yeah. too much mango can make a man go mad. Right. 
you know, is pointing out that mango has man and go in it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's not that's not like the pig becoming a ham where you might have heard that joke. Otherwise, I've right. never heard that joke before. Right, <laughs> and right. it's also it's about mangoes, which are already funny. Right. And then, yeah. yeah. And then a man go mad. I mean, the whole thing. It, but it but we kind of meet in the middle with that. Yeah. One, yeah. Say, yeah. And that's that's my that's always my hope. Right. That, mm -hmm. that that's that's where we're going to meet that everyone can take something out of it again sometimes you get there sometimes you don't you know or sometimes you think you're brilliant and kids don't get it or grown-ups you, know? <laughs> you miss in the middle yeah. Yeah. yeah i want to ask you since you've been performing for children and adults for so long do you what changes do you see in the audience that's an excellent question it's pretty profound i mean over oh. over over 20 years i've seen a lot of change and and I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon and a grumpy old man, but the the phone and our attachment to phones has oh. really changed the live music setting. Oh, the I, I mean the the shortest way to say it is it was always difficult to keep kids' attention. You know, like the way my live shows developed, it's like they're either clapping or jumping or or flapping their wings or singing a song that they know very well. It's very rarely very rarely sit and listen to this song because that's. Okay not how how kids relate to music in, in a live setting it's always been difficult to keep kids attention but in the beginning it was a lot easier than it is now to keep grown-ups attention so it's very common now for for parents to or caregivers of all sorts uh to show up and you know kind of sit their kid there and they're pointed towards me and the kid is kind of having their own experience and a lot of times the you know the parent is on a phone interacting and it, and it might be in the moment i have no way of knowing they might be texting their friend oh my gosh this is great come over mm -hmm. they might be taking a video that they're going to share and it will be part of their childhood memories for the rest of their lives I mean, i'm not saying it's all bad but but there is this hmm. distraction element to the parents now that wasn't always the challenge and it's changed and i'm guilty of it too i mean i try and make sure my phone is away if i'm seeing any art or or interacting with a beautiful sunset or whatever I, I i try and make an effort but but i also know that if i'm sitting on the couch and you know i'll pick up my darn phone and look at it and, you know we're all we're all distracted by this stuff so i see it manifests in different ways uh, you know from from ways that the only time it really frustrates me is when it actually actively interferes with what i'm trying to do it's not an exaggeration to say that i will have parents that will stand in front of me with their back to me oh. like literally in front of me and their video you know doing a video or a picture of their kid that is presumably watching me but they're standing <laughs> they're physically blocking what i'm doing it and Yikes. yeah and and that's just i mean that's 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 poor behavior in any context but it um it's become a lot more common and huh. you know I, I used to be like oh my gosh i can't believe this person is doing it but you know i try to let go of the the self-righteous like mm. uh, end of it presumably they're doing it because they're having a great time and they want to capture it and it's a different way of thinking of things but uh yeah. but little things like that really have changed i'll tell you the, the other thing that is is really weird to me and i don't know if what is to blame necessarily but um concert etiquette has changed quite a bit in that just applause after a song i've gotten to the point where I'll finish a song and I'll say, oh, let's give each other a nice round of applause. Let's, oh, you guys did a great job. I'm clapping for you. And I will have to make a point of like, after a song ends, we all clap. That's what we do. And I feel like I'm Sheesh. in a teaching role. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable as, as grownups of a certain age, like you wouldn't 
go to a concert and haven't finished a song and you just don't do anything, right? Like even if you even if you didn't like what was happening, you would clap as a as a courtesy, right? And that has really changed. And I wow. I don't know if it's a distraction thing or if it's you know maybe maybe the the grownups that are at shows now you know grew up in a different way. I I, I really don't yeah. know what's what causes that, but it is distinct. You know, wow. I used to take it very personally, like especially back in the old when we first started, people didn't clap. I'm like, oh gosh, I've lost them. Yeah, something's so, like, happened. I'm not doing yeah. the job here. Like, what am I doing wrong? How do I get them back? And over time, I'm like, well, they, they are enjoying themselves, but they don't clap. But it's just no. a weird, uh, you know, it, and I'm not saying they don't ever clap. I think we clapped. I think we cheered. Yeah. I think yeah, we... <laughs> yeah, 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 people, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, that's what you expect, right? I mean, like, again, even if I'm somewhere and someone's performing, even if it's a, a loud bar, and nobody's particularly like hanging on every note. When the song ends, I'll, I mean, out of empathy, I've been there. I know. It's like, yeah, not, right. clap, but, but I mean, like, but that's what we expect. And if, and if, if one person starts clapping, everyone will start clapping. And then yeah. They'll acknowledge. But yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to come up with grumpy old man, you know like it's just it's different i try not to get hung up on <laughs> thinking that it should be otherwise i'm just used to, <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. Used to it was. but yeah i find myself at the end of every song i almost never just leave it in silence and let people clap anymore because there might be a dead silence might be a dead silence and that's a that's a real energy killer for yeah me. and again i don't think it's that people are i, I like to think it's not the people are enjoying the show maybe i'm just no. bad over the last couple years but yeah it's funny isn't it it does make me wonder well of course there's always you know group behavior right yeah, yeah, so yeah. if those people aren't clapping well maybe we're not supposed yeah, to clap yeah, right that yeah. kind of thing but yeah. i also wonder if there's a misunderstanding that performing for children is different than than you know that a, than a grown yeah. up music as you keep calling them a yeah. grown up yeah, musician. No, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to that. I think I think you might be right. I think I think people might have different expectations, and and that's okay. I, I I don't I don't take it personally, but I do think part of what we're doing for kids and with kids is modeling the behavior yeah. that expected, right? And so there is there is definitely a connection to I see when when the grown up parent, grandparent, caregiver, whatever it might be, when they're engaged with the music, the kids are engaged with the music. Yeah. If they're tuned out talking to someone else on their phone, the same happens with the kids. So oh. I think there is a strong connection and, and a strong reason to keep saying out loud, all right, let's clap for each other. Let's clap for the dancers. Let's, you know, I mean, I, I, will, <laughs> I will sometimes... You know, if if people are tuned out, I, I will sometimes just clap for myself, and I think I, I think I did a great job. How about you? You know, like uh -huh. people go, oh, yeah, we probably should clap. You know? Right. You can do it with humor and and yeah. try and say, okay, this is this is the expectation we should be setting for everybody for kids. Yeah, it's a weird weird tangent to go off on, but uh, yeah, yeah, very very eye opening. Yeah, yeah. that's kind yeah. of startling. Of course, you know musicians play in all kinds of situations which aren't necessarily conducive to good listening, right. um, but especially you, right? Because the kids are often loud. There's a baby crying in the background. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're just all these things. You know, like performing in a loud bar. Absolutely. But, uh, but as a parent and a music appreciator. I was always glad that I could get the CD 
because then yeah. I would feel yeah. like, okay, I just missed that line, which I'm sure was great, right, but at right, least right. I can listen to it later on the CD. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you know, and, things get lost, but you were yeah. always, you never seemed to, you know, it was like, yeah, pearls before swine kind of, I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it reminds me of a, another thing that has changed though. I, I think in, in the era that, um, that you were coming to shows versus now the streaming world has really changed and, and that's changed a lot for artists and um, it's a it's a boring conversation to just hear artists complain about that it, technology has changed we used to be able to sell cds and make money and now we get fractions of a penny from a spotify play all that aside i think it really has fundamentally changed the way people listen to music and interact with music and, mm. and again i'm not finger pointing i do the same thing i'll you know when i'm out here in my workshop working on things i'll, I'll put on uh, a playlist you know, whereas I used to put on an album. And I think the same holds true for kids and when they're interacting, kids and parents when they're interacting with music at home, they'll they'll likely put on a Spotify playlist for kids. Or uh, it used to be, you know, you'd like, oh, well, let's listen to some music. Here's the Hullabaloo CD. We put it in the CD and you get that, that experience. And I think that has changed quite a bit. Um, not for me i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean i've they're digitized now right right but i will still listen i mean not always right but like yeah. yesterday you know i was playing all the hullabaloo cds back to back right, right. Yeah. and i and i i think that's a rarity these days you know like with the demographic that is young parents right now i think they're yeah they're not tending like the that we have a new album out is kind of of moderate interest <laughs> to to the I people see. that come to shows now. Whereas before, I felt like there were two two aspects. There was the live thing, and we did that together, and then there was also recorded music. And kids would come to the shows and want to hear the third track off of "Sing Along with Sam," whatever that was, because that's the one they related to. And mm -hmm. uh, I get less of that now. Uh -huh. uh, so the recorded music is fading in importance, uh, at least in, at least as I perceive it, as I, mm -hmm. I see it out there. So that's another uh, difference, that, you know, change in technology, change in, in listening habits and, and things like that, that it, that does end up having a, a change to the overall experience. Like you said, you know, mm -hmm. you might go, oh, I didn't hear what he said. I, I'm going to, you know, on the ride home, I'm going to listen to what he said. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think that happens anymore. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully I'm wrong, but I, I don't think that happens as much. Yeah, I mean, for me, it made me less resentful, right? When the kids were all being really loud and yes, noisy, and yes. I would miss it because, yeah, I can always listen to it later. Yes. So, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so it, it's interesting now that you're that we're talking about this. You, there have been so many changes over this twenty-year span of yeah. your, yeah, so far in your yeah. career, yeah. and who knows? If I talk to you in another twenty years, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah, and I just I want to really encourage my listeners to uh, check out the Hullabaloo songs. Oh, I did want to ask you about covers. Yeah. So you don't do a lot, but the ones that you do, I pay attention to because they're often songs that I think are particularly good musically in my yeah, yeah, my yeah, hum humble you. opinion. Yeah. Right. Oh, one of which is the uh, Erie Canal. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. such a great song. And one of the things you do with these covers, too, is really pull out the rhythm in them, yeah. uh, which, which is, you know, in some of these songs, which is so great. But but some others that you do, Froggy Went a Court, and I really like that one, too. It's such a great story, right? Sends yeah, us off yeah. into a different world. And then Mama Don't Lau. Um, <laughs> you know, I really like that one, too. So, yeah, yeah, talk a little bit about how you choose covers and how you choose to perform them. Yeah, I am. Um... 
I am definitely a folk music geek at heart. And so that's always been a side agenda of mine is to you know keep these old folk songs alive. And Erie Canal is amongst them. Buffalo Gals is a crazy uh -huh. song. You know, like stuff like that that, that might just kind of fall by the wayside. So in the era that we were recording an album a year for a number of years, um, we'd usually do eight original songs and choose four cover songs. And uh, that was always just, it was fun to just be able like, what, uh, what, it, you know, and that, Brennan and I used to laugh, like, we get to choose what kids' music is. <laughs> You know, like we said, we, we, exactly. You we know, said, and so yeah. that's, that's true. Some fun stuff, some stuff that, you know, even parents might not be super familiar with or, you know, just stuff that fun. And, and then of course there are, there are parameters, you know, you've got to find something that is thematically appropriate and, and stuff like that. And there's, there's some stuff. I mean, I, I, one of the first things I did as a children's performer is I rewrote the words to you are my sunshine. Which is a beautiful song and a beautiful sentiment until you start listening to how sad it is, the, the yeah. real original words. And so I changed those. Uh, and so we'll do that too. Uh, one of the songs that we do quite a bit is an old uh, folk song called Raise a Ruckus. And, um, oh, I thought that was an original. No, no, no. Well, I, I suppose oh. it's half and half. We took the, the chorus, and, but we changed all the verses. Oh. And, you know, they, were, they, they weren't that they were... Uh, inappropriate but they weren't of particular interest to kids something that they would relate to so i changed those words to about hey we're having a party and this is you know we're raising a ruckus but stuff like that i like i said i'm, I'm a folk music geek at heart and so taking those old songs that that i care about and being able to to mm -hmm. present them to a, a new audience and all that is super fun for me so it's just just part of the part of the fun of doing it there are songs to they don't necessarily fall in the technically folk song category but there's stuff that I think it's super important to do as a children's artist. I know a lot of children's artists, they won't do Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or the Itsy Bitsy mm -hmm. Spider or, or I will. I, I think that's part of being a kid is we have a shared mm -hmm. genre of music that we all kind of come up through that transcends a lot of social barriers and differences, you know, where a lot of people come up with these same songs and we have that in common. And, and I'm a hundred percent, good with singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star just because it, it, it's part of our shared experience and I think has some importance in that for that alone that we all, that we have shared culture um, mm -hmm. particularly in a country that, that is so widely divergent that we have a few songs that we can all we can all sing however simple they might be yeah that we can all sing together yeah yeah so again I do want to encourage my listeners to check out Hullabaloo uh, great songs, great songwriting. Really interesting to hear your thoughts about songwriting. I'm going to think about that now, about how, yeah, the same uh, counsel that we give to prose writers, we might yeah. also give to uh, songwriters, too. And Yeah, yeah I mean, good writing is good writing. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to talk to you for more, but I know I'm running out of uh, my time here. But before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience? No, I, I just... Thank you for, for doing this. It's fun to talk about. I appreciate the insightful questions. A lot of times doing this, you get the same questions about how music happens or whatever, but you, you've come up with some really fun questions. And I, I hope that I haven't blathered on too much um, about, about the stuff that I sort of geek out on. So anyway, I appreciate that. Um, and if people want to listen, we're out there on all the streaming services, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Apple Music, all that stuff. So all our music is out there. Just look under under the name Hullabaloo and we're out there. And if you're in San Diego, come out to a show. We'll sing and dance and flap our wings and stomp our feet. 
So hullabaloo, I should just make sure that my audience knows this. Hullabaloo is H-U-L-L-A-B-L-O-O, hullabaloo. And I didn't get, oh, did I misspell it? You skipped an A in there. Oh, no. H-U-L-L-A-B-A-L-O-O. That's right. Children, learn how to spell. Yeah. You know, on one of our albums, we shoehorned in this song about spelling hullabaloo. <laughs> oh, I didn't see it. Okay. And I always joke that, uh, that I chose the, the one word that, uh, that kids can't say and grownups can't spell. But other than that, it was a great name. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it was lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. And good luck with the new album. Oh, thanks very much. And uh, you know, thanks for, for spreading the word about this and doing the work that you do. Appreciate it. I put a piece of chocolate in my pajama pocket And then I went upstairs to take a nap And when that chocolate melted, a billion red and smelt it And it crawled up my leg to my lap Now I jump up and down, I wiggle all around Everyone is telling me to chill well, I know this isn't good, I'd chill out if I could But I've got ants in my pants and I can't sit still I've got ants in my pants And I can't sit still I went to my mom Exactly what went on As I bounced around I asked her what to do But she said Oh honey baby That sugar made you crazy No more sweets before nap time for you So I jump up and down I wiggle all around Everyone is telling me to chill well, I know this isn't good if I could, but I've got ants in my pants, and I can't sit still. I've got ants in my pants, and I can't sit still. It made my mother laugh when I jumped into the bath. I must have been quite a sight to see. But the part that really got her was when she fell into the water with a billion red ants and me. Now we jump up and down, we wiggle all around. Everyone is telling us to chill. We know this isn't good, we'd chill out if we could We've got ants in our pants, we can't sit still We've got ants in our pants, we can't sit We jump up and down, we wiggle all around Everyone is telling us to chill We know this isn't good, we'd chill out if we could We've got ants in our pants, we can't sit still We've got ants in our pants, we can't sit still We've got ants in our pants Thank you for listening. Our goal in 2024 is to expand our audience because we get such great guests. So we'd love your help in spreading the word by sharing, subscribing, liking, thumbs upping, rating, and commenting. Got all that? Really, thanks for any support. Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts is brought to you by Discreet Guy, the training company for improving your speaking and writing skills. Also, a shout out to Podomatic, our podcast hosting platform. You podcasters out there might want to check them out. They've been good to us. And finally, thanks to Quincas Morera for the theme music.